Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Tara Barrett, ICH researcher with Heritage NL. On today's episode, we talk with Joyce Lee and Miranda Rumbold, who are participants of Heritage NL's Mentor Apprentice Program. Mentor Joyce Lee is an award-winning wildcrafter whose dedication to the conservation of Labrador's traditional crafts is only matched by her immense talent. Joyce has demonstrated and taught her skills in workshops across Labrador. She's helped bring duffel work back to Labrador by completing workshops from Labrador City to Lance Clare. Apprentice Miranda Rumbold is a novice artisan of duffel work, a craft that uses pure wool fabric to create mittens, slippers, and more. She's well-versed in traditional Innu crafts such as tea dolls and beadwork. Miranda is currently employed at the Great Caribou Studio in Mary's Harbor, where she's been focusing on beadwork and has had the opportunity to sell her art. Hi, Joyce and Miranda, and welcome to the show. All right, so just to start off, I was wondering if um, Joyce and Miranda, you might be able to kind of take turns and maybe Joyce, you can go first and just kind of explain um, your background, where you grew up and and a little bit of your experience kind of growing up. Um, Well, I grew up in Red Bay. uh, That's in the Labrador Straits area. I um, uh, spent spent my life on the land and on the sea. Um, We always work with the land and, and the sea to provide for our family as, as did most people along the coast. I mean, it's nothing new. We always uh, foraged for food. We always hunted. We always fished. We always made our own clothes, did our own uh, medicines and, and uh, uh, preserved our own food, that sort of thing. So we've, we've always been, uh, we've always lived close to the land and the sea. And Miranda, how about yourself? Where did you grow up and kind of a bit of that background? I grew up here in Mary's Harbor on the south coast here, um, but I've dabbled a little bit of everywhere. Um, but most of the time, my summers would consist of going to Indian Cove. It's an old fisher settlement, and like we would spend weeks out there fishing and just like living off the land, basically. And we like have to go pail our own water and stuff like that, and we'd get it from this little spring. It was like lots of good memories out there. And spending time on the shoals. And you learned a lot how to preserve food for such a large amount of time. And then later on in life, I spent some time up in reservation, uh, up in Cheshire. Um, That was actually a really good experience to see my grandparents and how they, she actually would like make tea dolls. And like, I have good memories of her crafting and stuff like that. And can you talk a little bit about kind of your first experience with crafting? You mentioned your grandmother making tea dolls. So was that kind of one of your first experiences or, or what do you remember from kind of uh, crafts when you were younger? Uh, my first would be, well, my mother does like a lot of knitting. That's <laughs> one thing. Um, but it's probably boat making. My My dad would build boats a lot. And I would sit there and just watch or pick up fiberglass or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't until like later on my teenage years that I would uh, like see beading and tea dolls and stuff like that. The more culture stuff. And uh, what was the kind of the first craft or, or um, skill that you kind of picked up yourself? Uh, it would be beadwork with uh, Barbara Rumble. That would be my first and is that is that is Barbara uh, like an elder or is that uh, somebody who was doing a workshop or was it 
Um, she would sell like um, sealskin slippers and other stuff, and I would just do tongues for her. I don't know if she ever used them. I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, she was a first person to actually teach me when I was a lot younger. And Joyce, how about yourself? What's kind of your kind of background and your first kind of experience or uh, exposure to craft and, and certain skills? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember a time that there was never crafting going on. Uh, and, and craft is a word that that it's, a, it's like kind of a new word because back then it was no such thing as craft. It was just something you did out of necessity. So. Uh, mom would make our mittens and, and make our clothes and, and uh, like it was just always something that it, just part of the life you know what I mean and what were some of the first um, I guess skills traditional skills and knowledge that you picked up when you were when you were growing up uh, well I learned a lot from my mom um, I learned to sew and um well, she couldn't teach me to knit because she was left-handed. So I picked that up from, from another member of the family. Um, but I would say the, the thing that stood out to me most was Kazakh making because mom always made Kazakhs for dad. She made a hunting bag. She made the canvas overalls. She made the canvas mittens. Uh, they used to make the canvas harnesses for the dog teams. Like it was all to do with canvas and sewing. So, um, I just continued on with that. Uh, like I made um, Kazakhs, uh, Kazakh suits and that for my, for my kids. And um, I just uh, different things like made for my husband, hunting outfits. I made in the camouflage ones, like just use different materials, same pattern, same idea, and just kept, kept going with it. And then I learned how to use the fur from, from my auntie. So then I started adding fur to my Kazakhs and that sort of thing. And for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what a Cossack is, can you explain kind of what, what, that, what that garment is or what it's for? A uh, Cossack is a uh, cotton, is a anorak type thing made out of cotton dock. It's um, wind and water resistant. It's uh, also a camouflage for uh, in the snow because it's white. Um, yeah, and it's a pull-on, uh, a pull-on like um, coat with the hood fur and like you could have pockets if you wanted or whatever right I love that you said mentioned that it was um camouflage for the snow because I've I've seen them before and I've uh you know people have kind of showed uh I I went to Cartwright as part of a project a few years ago for called Crafts of Cartwright and we um I went to kind of the 50 plus club and a few people brought out Cossacks but uh I don't think anybody really mentioned the the um camouflage aspect so I think that's really interesting and it well, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, a lot of lot of uh, gentlemen and ladies here, uh, myself included, we do uh, hunt for porridges and, uh, well, I don't duck hunt, but uh, other members of my community duck hunt and you need that camouflage against the ice and snow. And it's also good for like um, in the woods and getting firewood and stuff like that because it keeps your, um, like, Back then, you couldn't afford to go and buy $400 skidoo or $1,000 skidoo or whatever. So you protected your clothing with the Kazakh as well. So the turpentine from the wood and, and, and the dirt in it from, from the chains and the skidoo and stuff would all go on the Kazakh. And then you, t- you just take it home and wash it out, right? Yep, that makes perfect sense, really. <laughs> um, 
and can you talk to me a little bit about uh, kind of how you both learned about this uh, mentor-apprentice program and, and what made you want to apply? Uh, well, I work for the uh, Great Caribou Studio and um, Charlene, the, uh, the boss lady, she uh, mentioned it to me and was wondering if I would be interested. And I'm like, sure, you know, I'm on board with that. <laughs> and Miranda, how about yourself? Uh, basically same situation, <laughs> but separate days. Um, but I did learn it from Charlene. And I was just like, uh, yes, yes, please. <laughs> I love learning everything. And can you talk to us a little bit about kind of the project that you're currently working on and, and what you guys are doing right now or what kind of work you're working doing? Sure. Uh, we're doing a uh, duffel work. Duffel is a hundred uh, percent wool fabric that has been used here for many years for, for its insulating qualities. Um, the thing with duffel now is that it's no longer being produced. The, the, the mills that we had in Canada are no longer producing duffel. Stuff we get from overseas is not the same quality at all. Um, so duffel is eventually going to die out, which to me, that's a real shame because the material is not going to be available. Same with a lot of things um, like the traditional skills. But um, duffel is uh, something that was used like for making mittens, to make a liner for your coat, to make a liner for your boots, uh, to keep the insulating properties, that sort of thing. And Miranda, I guess what what drove you to kind of uh, want to learn this skill and, and uh, you know practice it more and kind of take on this this new adventure? Uh, I love how it feels. First of all, like it's it feels cozy. Like when you when you feel it, you know. Like if you wear mittens of it, you know they're going to be warm. And I might preach Joyce of it because she has these red mittens up on the shelves at the work, and I I adore them. I want them <laughs> so bad. So why not make my own? And so so far, what have you been working on? How has the apprenticeship been been working so far? Oh, is that a question for me? Sure. Oh, okay. Well, um, so far she has me doing the like decorative part and actually getting a feel for the duffel and trying to like, punch through it, but while keeping the backs clean and like all neat and tidy. Um, my fingers are raw now, <laughs> but so my- as of right, she got me into uh, embroidering the, the the duffel. So yeah, and was embroidery a skill that you had uh, previous to this? that you're transferring onto duffel work or, or is that a very, new skill as well? Oh, sorry. Um, very minuscule. I actually uh, first learned embroidery with uh, my boss's mother. <laughs> and then I kind of picked up from Joyce from there on. And Joyce, how do you see kind of this uh, apprenticeship going? What are some of the skills that you're excited to share with Miranda? Um, well, I'll just give you a quick rundown of what we're doing. Uh, as Miranda said, I'm starting her off with embroidery because just because you have to wear something to keep warm doesn't mean it can't be pretty, right? So uh, embroidery is one of the skills that we use to decorate um, the duffel. And so I'm just showing her the basics now, the embroidery and putting it together, like the stitches that you use to sew duffel together because it's, it's a different it's different than sewing with a cotton fabric and uh, it's all done by hand. There's nothing done by machine. So obviously you you got to learn the basics before you can go on to whatever you're going to do. 
So, uh, and right now we're doing a stitch book. So she's going to be able to keep, um, so every stitch we learn, we're going to put in this, this little booklet. And so she'll be able to use that as a reference throughout her whole life if she continues duffel, which I'm pretty sure she will. You have to learn how to stitch it together and then you have to learn how to keep it together. So from then we're going to move on to a little bit of a bigger project. So she's doing her stitch book and her ornaments now. And so we'll move on to a little different project, a pair of um, moccasins or slippers. And then we'll move on to her final one, which is her, she want to make, she wants to make their mittens. And um, so I'm expecting them to be decorated like galore. (laughs) Knowing Miranda, Miranda's very eager. I must say, I'm very pleased to work with Miranda. She's, she's eager to learn and she's easy to teach. And uh, I think she's going to do fabulous with it. I want to dive a little bit more into the stitches because this past fall uh, with Heritage Janelle, we were on um, Fogo Island and we were talking to um, some folks on Fogo Island and Change Islands about um, certain stitches that they use on their quilts. And I was just wondering what, what kind of, what are some of the stitches that you're learning for the duffel work and, and can those transfer over to other materials? I know you said it's not the same as sewing with like a cotton material, but are, are those uh, stitches used in other ways as well? Certainly the embroidery stitches can be used with any, any fabric. That doesn't matter. It's just that what I meant by stitches, like uh, to put duffel together and keep it together, you use a ladder stitch and you use a feather stitch on top of it. So it's actually double sewn. And the reason for that is that the ladder stitch alone wouldn't be enough to keep the duffel together. You need that extra stitch because duffel uh like you butt it together you don't you don't overlap your seam it's it's all butted together so it looks like this and uh as you can imagine you need a strong stitch to keep those two seams together so that's why we double stitch it um and can you talk a little bit i know earlier you mentioned kind of how it's getting more difficult to access um quality duffel uh but can you talk a little bit about some of the materials that are needed to do duffel work aside, I guess, from the duffel itself? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, uh, depending on what you're doing, of course, the ornaments and, and things like that will be things that you would uh, use with your scraps of duffel because duffel is a very expensive product. And um, so you would make your big project first and then do your littles after. I'm doing a little different with Miranda because I want her to have that um, uh, embellishment skill under her belt before we actually move into uh, a bigger project. If I was, if I was learning, uh, like traditionally when I learned it, I learned the embroidery first by doing other things, you know, like working with the cat and working with whatever fabric I was working with. So when I came to duffel, I already had that skill. Miranda doesn't. So we got to start it off a little differently. So I got to give her that skill before she can actually move into the bigger project. So with all things in our culture, nothing is wasted. Um, so like I said, we would, we would use the duffel to cut out, uh, our bigger projects and then the smaller pieces that flipped over the scraps, that's what we would make those little things out of that we're actually starting with now. So we're going a little bit backwards, but we'll get there in the end. And I guess this is for either Joyce or Miranda. Can you walk me through kind of, um, the steps for a duffel project from kind of start to finish? Do you have an idea first? How does it, how does it come about? 
Well, if you're doing, say, a pair of slippers, you would have a pattern or a pair of mittens, you'd have a pattern and you'd, um, you would alter the pattern, obviously, to suit yourself because almost every piece of um, craft that is made uh, by an individual is custom made. So you, you make it to fit yourself and or whoever you're making it for. And um, so you, you'd cut, lay your pattern on your um, duffle you uh, will cut out, cut it out by your pattern. If you were making slippers, you would then uh, sew, sew them together using the ladder stitch. And the when you come to the pleating, you'd have to do a double overhand stitch. And then you have to press that out. Um, then you would do your feather stitch. And then you do your liner. You'd insert your liner. Your liner is made the same way as your, your slipper. You'd insert your liner and then you'd put your... Uh, outside trim on like if you were using fur or whatever you're going to use and then you would put a hide um, uh, sole on the bottom because duffel duffel wears it's, it's a wool fabric so it wears and the hide sole actually saves it um, but before all that if you were if you were going to do any kind of embellishment you would do that once you cut out your pattern so I did skip that step <laughs> and um how long does like a typical project take from start to finish? Is it? Uh, depending on the amount of embellishment you're going to use to uh, make a pair of slippers, I'd say two, three days, um, like depending on how much embellishment you're going to use, how much embroidery you're going to do on it. Cause you can de- decorate the, I don't even have a slipper. My goodness. You can decorate the, what we call the tongue part, which is this part right here. And you can also decorate the uh, the back of the slipper, like the um, the part that goes around your foot, the heel, and right around your foot. So and, so the, and so the tongue would be kind of what you see from above, the front part of the slipper. And so you, you mentioned that you're in your craft room, and you know that it's a, a bit of a state, which I'm sure everyone's is. Um, so where are, where is most of the apprenticeship taking place? Are do you both kind of have spaces in your home that you use to to make this work? Uh, yeah, when we meet together, it's, it's, uh, well, it's usually at somebody's kitchen table. So, uh, and, and now when Miranda comes here, she'll be down here in this room with me. And if I know Miranda, I might not get her to leave, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's mostly a kitchen table thing. Yep. And you mentioned earlier that your, your mom was always embroidering. So where would you have learned that skill? Would that have been kind of at the kitchen table or? Yeah, because, you know, when you're little whatever mom and dad is doing you're doing too you know you want to you want to have your hands in it so and and my mom was a very was a patient teacher like she she was phenomenal and so was my dad so and I want to ask a little bit about kind of why you both feel that this is important so maybe Miranda you could start I guess um why is it that you wanted to learn this traditional skill and and why did you want to kind of um you know take this on and, and learn it for yourself I find it really personal, if anything, because this is something that is, well, bluntly, it's it's dying. And I feel that anyone who has any, like, even a glimpse of skill within themselves, they should, like, take it upon themselves to pick it up. Or, like, ask someone for help to learn, like, uh, different skills, like duffel work, um... Kazakhs, 
oh my mind's drawn a blank on every other skill (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's personal to me because it, it is part of my background my culture I am you know and I think that I need to help save this because I, I really hope it doesn't get to a point where it doesn't exist. Because I had to watch my mother um, like so, like knit every day <laughs> in the winter. Uh, and she would like knit hats, mittens. The amount of socks she's knit is crazy. But yeah, it's just um, just good memories. And I hope one day that like I would pass on to my nieces, nephews or sister even just to share it more in the future and Joyce how about yourself what was it about um you know you talked a little bit about kind of your background and learning it and kind of where where you work today so what is it about these kind of traditional skills and knowledge that made you want to pass it on and and kind of continue the tradition um well this is something I'm very passionate about as a traditional knowledge keeper, I feel that it's my duty, it's my obligation, it's my honor to pass these skills on to, to anybody who wants to learn. Um, I have, um, I've been involved in the crafts for so long and practicing it, well, as you can see, every day pretty much. And um, I feel that it's, it's my duty to <laughs> protect the preserve it, to practice it, and to promote it, to make sure that, that it gets out there before it's lost. I'm dedicated to, to preserving these skills and passing them on before it's lost forever. Like, for example, um, I learned how to do uh, the traditional bark tan sealskin boots from my uncle. Um, we were kind of stumped because we couldn't get a bark skin. So when my uncle dies, that, that knowledge is gone out of my family. He's the last one left now that knows how to do it. So I wanted to keep that going. I, and I want to pass it on to whoever wants to learn. So, and, and I feel that same way with all the crafts that I do. I, I got my hands in pretty much everything. There's still stuff I want to learn, but you know, um, I, I think that it's almost like you feel, you feel the hands of your grandmothers before you on your shoulder saying, teach this, teach this, show this girl, show this lady, show this man, whatever, you know, like just pass it on. And I know um, part of kind of your background, your experience, I think, believe you taught or facilitated a, a duffel program that went from Labrador City to uh, Lance Claire. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Sure. Uh, that was with a fantastic group of ladies. That was back in... 2016 I think we uh developed and 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 uh, put forward a series of workshops right from Labrador City right on up through Central through Goose Bay and down <clears throat> down the coast cart right uh down down south coast and, and down the straits right down to Lance Claire and the the um, response was phenomenal it went from being a handful of people in Labrador that knew how to you how to work the duffel to well over a hundred participants that uh, that now know how to do duffel and I'm sure it's gone on from there because excuse me I've talked to people that have showed other people I myself have showed whoever wants to learn like I'm, I'm here you know I I don't mind showing stuff because I did find uh, first when I started uh, rug hooking for instance. 
um, the ladies wouldn't share their patterns. And I'm like, okay, boys, come on now. Like they didn't mind showing you how to do the rug hooking, but they wouldn't share their patterns because they were Grenfell patterns. So Dr. Grenfell didn't want you sharing, sharing the patterns. So I always said, I didn't know I could draw until I started rug hooking because then I had to draw my own patterns. So uh, the first rug I did was a polar bear. I'm going to tell you, you do not want to meet that polar bear anywhere. He <laughs> was a hard looking fellow. But yeah, so I always found that it was, um, I, I never, ever thought that was right. I always thought that you should share what you know. And you mentioned Grenfell. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, can you explain a little bit about um, what kind of doing work for Grenfell meant or, or why that was done? Yeah, Dr. Grenfell uh, was was pretty um, popular. Well, I don't know about popular, but he was pretty, you know, there in this region. He was a medical missionary and he also did a, um, when he came here, he saw that the ladies were doing rug hooking and stuff. And he thought that that would be a good supplement for their husband's fishing income. So he would supply uh, the kits. So in the kit would be the mat rags and um, the the brin or the burlap, uh, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like the backing that you use. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And um, and the pattern will be drawn on there because, well, I mean, Dr. Grunfeld could draw, right? So uh, the pattern will be drawn on. There's mostly northern images of people with the Cossacks on, the dog teams and that sort of thing. And uh, and and even in northern Newfoundland, they were doing the same thing. Um, that You would hook the rugs and Dr. Grunfeld would come to collect them if they passed his inspection, because apparently he was a little bit particular. Uh, then you would get paid and you'd get paid like in clothing or used clothing or something like that. Like, you know, something to just help help the the life of the fishermen, which was pretty poor at that time, you know. So when I say working for Grandpa, like my mom would um, would do the pockets, uh, embroider the pockets, embroider the sleeves, embroider the hood. I think she used to get like two dollars or something for a set, or I don't I don't even know. Like it was was very much for her work, and maybe that's the reason why a lot of people now don't put a lot of value on. Um, handicrafts because there wasn't a lot of value put on it was something you done out of necessity and when you did get paid for it it was very little right what makes a good piece of duffel work or a you know once a finished product what makes it good what what kind of uh, what kind of skills are you looking for for a good product um <clears throat> well for me for my own personal standards uh <coughs> excuse me I want something that's well put together. I don't want to see it falling apart. I don't want to see your stitches. I'm a little bit of a hard taskmaster, taskmaster anyways. Uh, I don't want to see your stitch, the back, like the back of your work needs to be the same as the front, you know, like uh, there, you shouldn't, with duffel, you shouldn't be able to see any stitching at all on the back, except for like, say, French knots or something. But um, yeah, just, just a piece that's well put together and, and um most people, I would say, are not going to let you have one of their products unless it's well put together because people are proud of what they do. And uh, and I'm proud of what I do. So I'm not putting it out there if it's sloppily done. I want to see it, you know, well done. And Miranda, how about yourself? Do you have an idea of kind of what makes good duffel work? Um. I, I for sure love like quality products. Uh, I'm like always on par with that. Um, but I do love how she's um, I'm not I'm not going to call it particular because that's a harsh word but it, it's like 
the confidence in wanting a good product is what I can agree with um, because I mean, well, so it doesn't fall apart for one. <laughs> and in working with that, it's, I don't know, it pushes me to not be sloppy and to actually like have something that's worth calling a skill. I, I would rather have it as a skill and something I can use in the future. Though it's the same with the product, so I can use in the future. Um, then it being a hobby to me. Well, of course, uh, it'll be a hobby anyway, because it's fun. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add about duffel work or um, your experience with the mentorship so far? I just got to say, one of, one of the ladies that inspired me uh, to pursue duffel work above, above another craft really was uh, Barb Wood. She's, she's one of the legends of Labrador when it comes to crafting. She's, she's since passed away, unfortunately. But I was so fortunate to be able to meet her and to see to see where she, where you can go with duffel it doesn't just have to be slippers it can be anything at all and she was phenomenal in using up her little scraps to make anything and everything but she was a big shout out to her she was phenomenal i must say very uh, very honored to have met her and uh, she was one of the people that inspired me to to take it a little bit further right all right thanks again okay you have a good day now You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.